We good? Good. We have the Rubelef. There we go. Friends in Christ, today is Trinity Sunday. The preacher's nightmare. Thank you, Mike, for asking me to preach on the preacher's nightmare Sunday. Appreciate that. This, uh, this icon you see here is an icon by Andre Rubelef. Uh, it comes from around the 15th century, and it's a depiction of the three angels who appeared uh, to Abraham at the Oak of Mamre in Genesis chapter 18. This has been interpreted by the church as a Trinitarian manifestation. Here's how many Trinity Sunday sermons go. Today is Trinity Sunday, but the Trinity is a great theological mystery, important but impossible to understand. So I'm going to preach on something else. (laughs) Granted, the Trinity can be confusing, but it's not just a puzzle or a conundrum or a theological Rubik's Cube to be solved. Rather, it is the summary statement of what we believe about who God is. Trinity Sunday is the day when the church asks us to stop and contemplate who is God. Theologian Stanley Hauerwas says this, if someone says to you, God bless you, the most appropriate response should be, which God do you mean? We have a distinctive definition as Christians. Christians don't just believe in a God who is a distant monad, but a God who is a trinity of persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The trinity is the distinctively Christian doctrine. Our belief in God separates us from the secularists, the Buddhists, and the atheists. Our belief in a a personal God separates us from the New Age mystics and the Hindus. But our belief in the Trinity separates us from the Unitarians, the Jews, and the Muslims. It is the great defining doctrine of Christianity proclaimed by Jesus. You know, Jesus claimed to be sent by God, like many others, like the, like the patriarchs, like the prophets and the priests and the kings of the Old Testament. But he alone claimed to be one with God and therefore God himself. He was other than the Father, but on the same divine level as the Father. And then at the Last Supper, he spoke of an advocate, uh, a paraclete, whom he and the Father would send. This gift, too, was God. So there's the Father, the sending one, the Son, the one who is sent, and the Holy Spirit spirated and sent by both the Father and the Son. The Trinitarian nature of God is most definitively described in an ancient Christian document called the Athanasian Creed. It comes from the late 5th or early 6th century. Here's a section of the Creed. We worship one God. Can we change the the image to the next one? This gives you a depiction of this. There you go. We worship one God in Trinity, and Trinity in unity, neither confounding the persons nor dividing the substance. For there is one person of the Father, another of the Son, another of the Holy Ghost. But the Godhead of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost is all one, the glory equal, the majesty co-eternal. 
Such as the Father is, such is the Son, and such is the Holy Ghost. The Father uncreate, the Son uncreate, the Holy Ghost uncreate. The Father incomprehensible, the Son incomprehensible, and the Holy Ghost incomprehensible. The Father eternal, the Son eternal, and the Holy Ghost eternal. And yet there are not three eternals, but one eternal. As also there are not three uncreated, but are not three incomprehensibles, but one uncreated and one incomprehensible. So likewise, the Father is almighty, the Son is almighty, and the Holy Ghost is almighty, and yet there are not three almighties, but one almighty. Well, that clears up the data about the Trinity, doesn't it? <laughs> it goes on for two more paragraphs like that. Sometime read this great document. It's found on the back of your prayer book. But frankly, it's difficult to grasp. Here's the summary. God is three persons in one God. The Father, as you see in the, the graphic here, the Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God. But the Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Father. The Son is not the Spirit, the Spirit is not the Son. The Spirit is not the Father, and the Father is not the Spirit. God is both one and triune. Well, that's the theology of the Trinity, if you will, and the information. But so what? So what? What does it mean? What does it have to do with living the Christian life or the great commandment or the great commission? What does it have to do with loving my neighbor and loving God? One of my favorite writers is G.K. Chesterton. And in Everlasting Man, he wrote this. If we really want a simple religion of love, we must look for it in the Athanasian Creed. Say what? The Athanasian Creed. What Chesterton is saying is this. To confess that God is a trinity of persons is exactly the same as confessing God is love. They are just different ways of saying exactly the same thing. Why? Well, because God is love. God is love is not saying that God loves or that love is an attribute of God. Most religions say that. No, no. We say the true God is love itself through and through. The very being or essence of God is love. Therefore, within his being, there has to be a lover, a beloved, and the love that's shared between them. That's inherent in the phrase God is love. Don't sentimentalize this essence of God's being love itself. God is not a hallmark, hallmark God. In the Old Testament, we learn the name of God. You know this. I am that I am. He is being itself. God is. We see in our Old Testament reading for today that from Isaiah, that he is wholly other. In fact, Catherine Tanner describes it as he is otherly other, without competition or contrast. He created everything that is. We say in the creed that he created the heavens and the earth and is otherly other than his creation. And yet, he is insinuated and revealed throughout his creation. 
the New Testament, we discover the explanation of I am that I am in the understanding that God is love itself. See, our God is a community of love. The Father is the lover. The Son is the beloved. And the Holy Spirit is the love between the Father and the Son. The Father is the lover. The Son is the beloved. And the Holy Spirit is the love between the Father and the Son. St. Augustine said this, from all eternity, God knows himself. So the Father is the knower, the Son is the known, and the Holy Spirit is the knowledge between them. St. Bernard of Clairvaux said this, the Father is the kisser, the Son is the kissed, and the Spirit is the kiss. Isn't that beautiful? The great Protestant theologian Karl Barth said this, the Father is the speaker, the Son is the Word of God spoken, and the Spirit is the interpreter of the Word through the church. The Trinity is this dynamo of energy and self-emptying love. God doesn't hoard this love, but he empties himself in love for the entire created order. God empties himself in love for the entire created order. Why do we exist? Why do we exist? Not because God needs us. The beginning of real spirituality is to understand this. God has no need of us. Rather, we particularly, in fact, the entire created order, are simply loved into existence. Why is that? Because God's triune being is such a white-hot intensity of love that it spills over into the world that we know. This whole cosmos is made, in St. Augustine's words, in the imago trinitatis, in the image of the Trinity. We are literally loved into existence. Now, Jesus was the emissary par excellence for this community of love with the purpose of bringing the fallen world back into the intensity of the divine life. Not just so that we could be ethically upright. In fact, not just so that you could be forgiven of your sins, but so that we may be, listen, trinitized, made to be like God, to fully reconcile us to God. That's why we are to make disciples of all nations, to love our neighbors as our enemies, so that the world itself may be trinitized and brought back to that divine life of God. This is revealed in that luminous passage we read today from John chapter 3. For God so loved the world that he gave or he sent his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. God so loved this world that he created in love that he sent his only son. He sent his son. Theologian Robert Barron says, the cross is the moment when the tense of unity of these three divine persons is on most vivid display. 
The cross is the moment when the tense of unity of these three divine persons is on most vivid display. This is the Matthias Grunewald uh, Eisenheim altarpiece. In my, for my money, the most graphic depiction of Jesus' death on the cross. God so loved the world that he sent not just one more prophet, not just one more spokesman or emissary, but his only begotten son, the one that he loved with eternal love. Why? Because he wanted us gathered back into the divine life. And where did the father send the son? All the way down to rescue us. Into time, into history, into the human condition, but that wasn't even far enough. We had fallen into sin and the resulting death. He was sent into our dysfunction, into our hatred and violence, into our stupidity, our injustice and our fear, all the way, yes, even to the God-forsakenness of an ignominious death on a Roman instrument of torture. Why did the Father do such a terrible thing? Out of love. Because that's all that he is. He wanted to bring his divine life even to the very darkest places. He wanted to hunt us down even to the furthest limits of our own wanderings from him. He wanted to follow us even to the darkest corners of where we try to retreat from him. And so he sent his son all the way down to the limits of God-forsakenness. What kept the Son on this downward journey tethered to the Father? It was nothing other than the love that connects the Father and the Son. It was nothing other than the Holy Spirit himself. As the Son stretched into the depths of God-forsakenness to rescue us, the Spirit kept him tethered to the Father. Thanks be to God. And that's why we are saved by the Trinitarian God. A God who is simply transcendent, hovering above the world, is not flexible enough to draw us into life. But the God who is a trinity of persons, who is love itself, can reach all the way down in this acrobatic act of love so as to gather us in. That's why the Trinity is not merely a theological abstraction. Rather, it is the whole of the spiritual life. It is because God is in a communion of love that you and I can enter into that same communion of love. There's a Greek word theologians for many centuries have used to describe this triune relationship among the members of the Godhead. The word is perichoresis. Peri means around, but choresis means dance. It can be defined as the interpenetrating, indwelling, life-giving, round dance of God. The divine life of God is in truth a participation or entering into the loving community of the perichoresis of the triune God. It's almost as if the triune God is engaged in an eternal Jewish round dance of love and joy and peace, proclaiming victory over the powers of sin and evil and death, and one spot, no, one embrace is left open for you and for me to come and dance with God. 
Ken Miedema is a very talented songwriter, composer, and pianist who happens to be blind. He wrote a song one time that described an event that happened at one of his concerts. He was invited to a post-concert youth dance in this church. And at the dance, he was asked by one of the young ladies to dance with her. Perhaps she didn't know he was blind. Or maybe she did. Here's the text he wrote about the event, alluding to this dance with the triune God. She asked me to dance, and I'd never tried dancing before. I had visions of everyone laughing us right off the floor. And though I protested, I just wouldn't be any good. She gently insisted, and finally I told her I would. Unforgettable. She was a fresh breath of spring on a cold winter's day. Unforgettable. She taught this singer to sing in a whole new way. He asked me to dance, and I'd never tried dancing before. I had visions of saints and angels laughing us right off the floor. And though I protested, I just wouldn't be any good. He gently insisted, and finally I told him I would. Unforgettable. He was a fresh breath of spring on a cold winter's day. Unforgettable. He taught the singer to sing in a whole new way. We are being called to submit to this invitation of the Trinitarian God and his dancing embrace for us. That embrace of the radical, white, hot, generous love and reconciliation. And he bids us, come to the dance. But you too come with a loving and a welcoming embrace, a generous embrace, a reconciling embrace, an embrace for your neighbor, an embrace for the entire created order. So engage this week in an act of love and honor of the triune God. Dance with God and invite someone you love into that same dance. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.